Scott Birschbach is uh, the lead meteorologist at the National Oceanic Atmospheric uh, location right here in Green Bay, Wisconsin. How long have you been here, Scott? What led you to become a meteorologist? Yeah, I've been here for just over 15 years now. And weather has always been part of my life. I'm a weather weenie. Yeah. So even when I was a little kid, uh, I was always interested in weather. So um, always something I want to do is, you know, work either for the weather service or something in the weather industry. Uh, and I went to school at Central Michigan uh, mm-hmm. many few years ago. So, uh, yeah, about 15 years. Cool. Now, uh, let's talk a little bit. Lead meteorologist, what does that mean? Let's get the titles and some of the acronyms straight for the audience. So in the weather service, we have uh, meteorologists and we have lead meteorologists. And the distinction is lead meteorologists work different shifts, Mm. and they're basically in charge of uh, the shift and everyone's uh, duties that day, basically. Mm -hmm. So we divvy up who's doing what Mm -hmm. and uh, make sure everything is done correctly and and, and well. So... um, each office is pretty much set up the same way where they have five or six lead forecasters and the rest five, uh, maybe five to seven meteorologists. Right, right. Now, I'm looking at this office and it's obviously uh, ablaze with different colors, all kinds of monitoring screens. How much geography is this Green Bay office, for example, covering? Yeah, for the Green Bay office, we cover all the uh, all 21 counties in far northeast Wisconsin. So from Vilas down to Wood County and from Wood County over to Manitowoc County, mm-hmm. all that section of northeast Wisconsin. And overall, there's five offices that cover the state of Wisconsin. Uh, so uh, we're just one of the five. Yeah. Where are the other ones? The other ones are in Milwaukee, Sullivan, uh, La Crosse, Minneapolis, Duluth, and then there's Marquette up in the north, but they only cover the, mm-hmm. the UP. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about this weather pattern that we've been experiencing. I've got an audience that is uh, listening with bated breath to find out if this hot, dry streak is going to be around. Is this anything that you guys saw coming uh, months ago? Yeah, maybe about a month ago we saw the pattern starting to shift. We were, we were in that real wet pattern yeah. where we had the river flooding. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were transitioning from that to more of a drier pattern with that high pressure built across the central plains. And that um, that brings, you know, warm mm-hmm. and hot weather, as, as you know, this time of year. Uh, so, yeah, we saw it coming. Um, a little bit in question of how long it's going to last. Um, so there's some indications we'll get a backdoor cold front that will come through here that will cool things down a couple, maybe 10, 15 degrees yeah. for a few days. But then that, that heat may start to build again uh, as we work towards the rest of June. Now, when you put forecast together, do you collaborate with the other five offices? I mean, I cannot imagine the girth of information that you, number one, have available to you. Number two, have to figure out how to evaluate and put together. Yeah, there's lots of information to look at. And yes, we do. We collaborate with both our partners locally, the offices mm-hmm. that I mentioned, both mm-hmm. to our east, west, and north. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also collaborate with our regional and national centers on on different things, especially when the weather gets more active. Mm-hmm. If it's quiet, we kind of just do our own thing. But once the weather starts to get active, we do quite a bit of collaborating to make sure we have a consistent message and a good forecast going out. Now, one thing that Scott and I have been kind of working on for the past couple of months is trying to get more people in rural communities or out in the general public to help monitor weather. Explain how that information plays in on your forecasting. Yeah, it's really important, uh, especially in this part of the state where we do have a lot of rural areas where um, there's just, you know, the coverage of weather sensors just isn't there. There's lots of gaps in our observation network. And the more input we can get about what actually happened, the better we can forecast in the future because we can train our models to, to become better, basically, and also train the staff here mm-hmm. of what, what exactly happened and looking back at events to see what happened. So even a day like today when we had rain, mainly west of the Fox Valley. Some locations got over two or three inches of, of rain, but maybe a mile down the road, you know, maybe a few drops. Right. So the more more data we can come in, 
uh, and, and analyze helps us uh, become better meteorologists. Well, that is a perfect example because you said one of the airports, which you would think would be a monitoring station, got nothing. But then, like you said, just a couple miles away, two inches. That's correct. Yep. Today's a good example of these pop-up thunderstorms. If they pop up over you, you get quite a bit of rain. Yeah. And if they pop over your neighbor, they get the <laughs> rain and, and you don't get it. Yep. Now, uh, weather stations, we were talking about that earlier this spring, too. There are a lot of farms, uh, maybe agribusinesses that have automated weather services. Does that help you guys or is that uh, more skeptical information? Um, usually the more data, the better, um, yeah. as long as it's somewhat quality controlled. Mm-hmm. And even we, we do use some public data that's available mm-hmm. on websites mm-hmm. um, or as a guide, um, since technically it's, it's not calibrated to the weather service mm-hmm. standards. Uh, but we can kind of know, you know, where if it's raining heavily, right. where, where it's raining heavily, uh, and then, again, use our radar to kind of put the puzzle pieces together of where, where that, you know, that thunderstorm is, is the worst. And we also look at winds and things like that. That will yeah. help us to see how strong the storm is. You know, a lot of us are accustomed to taking a look at that 10-day forecast, 7-day forecast, 5-day, 3, and then 24 hours, which is harder to put together. That is a good question. And I would, short answer is they're all hard to put together. <laughs> depends on the weather because Mother Nature can be... Uh, can be feisty at certain mm-hmm. times, uh, but it kind of depends what you're looking for. And usually as we get closer to an event, people want more detailed yep. information. They want to know when it's going to mm-hmm. start raining or snowing, how much. Um, so it becomes harder to, to kind of, again, put that puzzle piece together as mm-hmm. a forecaster. Um, as you work a little farther out, you know, seven days, we can kind of give a general idea of it's, you know, it's going to get warmer, it's going to get hotter, more humid or cooler. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, it, yeah, it varies. What season is most difficult to handle? Winter, spring, summer, fall? I'm, I've got my perspective, but what do you think? That's a good question. Um, in Wisconsin, we get everything. So <laughs> uh, winter forecasting can be just as hard as severe weather forecasting for its own own differences. Again, people want details of how, how much snow or, you know, when is the storm going to hit. So they both have their challenges for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, long-term forecasting, because, again, you know, Scott, I'm talking to a bunch of folks that are involved in agriculture. We want to know, are you concerned? Are you seeing patterns that are leading you to believe we could move into a drought? I've heard people bringing up La Nina. Yep, La Nina is over. Um, we're heading into an El Nino now, um, and that can mean various things for northeast Wisconsin. There's, it's not a slam dunk that mm-hmm. we're going to have something. Um, so uh, locally here with the recent dry weather, we were a little concerned we head back towards the drought. However, this the rain that we've had the past couple of days is helping in certain areas. Mm-hmm. However, as we as we noted, it's, it's not a widespread mm-hmm. rain, so some locations are going to see drought conditions develop. It's just how widespread that's going to be and if we can get to a little bit of rainier pattern as we go through June. Where do you have to watch? Where do you monitor for things like El Nino, La Nina? That's done in the Pacific Ocean, actually. That's where that originates from, the, the ocean temperature in the mm-hmm. Pacific Ocean, and that's what uh, drives kind of the climate uh, for several months or years mm-hmm. as that pattern changes. So mm-hmm. kind of weird to think of it, but things that are happening across the world literally kind of yeah. impact weather across the United States. How has the job changed or technology changed since you started, Scott, or maybe since you even started back in, in Central uh, College? How, what have you noticed? Uh, quite a bit has changed in the weather service in the last 15 years where a lot more models are being mm-hmm. run now. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, just the way we way we do things. There's a lot more, we call them blended models now, where we have input from several different models and it gets blended into this more of an average, and that gives us kind of a starting point, and then we can fine-tune that for our local details. So mm-hmm. it's changed quite a bit. Any of the, the warnings haven't really changed much. That yeah. Those thresholds have remained pretty much the same 
I, mean, I think that we were at three quarters of an inch for hail as a threshold. Now it's one inch. Okay. It's a minor yeah, difference. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but in general, yeah, things are, you know, meteorology is meteorology, but the, the, the fine-tuning and how the science kind of evolves has changed, and it's kind of an, always an ongoing process. Sure, sure. Now, uh, like we said, a lot of people involved in agriculture are going to be paying attention to this. Um, l- let's talk a little bit about the networking that you do I've been fortunate to work with you through Cocoa Ross, kind of that community effort of getting people to be your rainfall reporters. But what kind of networking do you do with uh, county services, emergency responders, county planners? Because I've got to believe you've got valuable information for them. Yes, we uh, we have we call them our core partners, and mm-hmm. we work with them pretty much every big event. Where um, depending on depending on the event and who's impacted by it. We'll work with our local partners, the counties, the EMs, as our, as our main source where we will talk to them and mm-hmm. whatever weather needs they need, we would give them. Um, we work with state partners as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, event, if an event gets you know bigger, we can work with the, the, some of the folks in Madison, um, especially the Milwaukee office. They, since they're, they're located pretty close to them, they're, they have a really good relationship with them. And then even FEMA, we have a relationship mm-hmm. with them if, if a, say, a, a bigger event happens where FEMA would be deployed, and we would start collaborating with them. So yeah, pretty much everybody from county level all the way up to the national level, we would, if weather is impacting our area, we would use them as a, a source and a partner. Yep. Mark Murphy got you on speed dial. He's just down the road. <laughs> Probably, yep. <laughs> and anyone, as you know, the weather impacts everybody. Yeah. So we're one of the first calls they make sometimes uh, since, again, we're the, we have most of the information for sure. them. Yeah. Now, how can people follow you? I was uh, trying to uh, hashtag the service here in Green Bay at WIWX with that hashtag. How can people follow you? How can they find out more about what you guys do? Yeah, for our, our website, uh, which anybody can go to, is weather.gov. So, um, you know, weather.com is the weather channel. But if you put .gov, <laughs> .gov that, is, uh, that is the National Weather Service. And that's where you'll find our forecast and all of our watches, warnings, statements, uh, things like that. Uh, we're on Twitter uh, mm-hmm. and on Facebook, so at NWS Green Bay for both of those. Um, we do tweet, uh, tweet quite often, so some are more inform- informational yeah. posts. Some are kind of fun and funny if the weather is quiet. And also Twitter, we also send all of our warnings on there. So mm-hmm. it's, it's one of the ways that you could receive uh, warning information, but we do suggest having like two or three, mm-hmm. uh, including your phone. But if your phone doesn't happen to work, happen to work you know, maybe a weather radio or, or uh-huh. some, other, uh, some other means. That's right. Well, uh, pulling back the curtain behind the scenes, he is the wizard at the Green Bay location for NOAA. And uh, one of the gentlemen that's keeping us up to speed on what's happening with the forecast that we depend on in agriculture, Scott Birschback, along with us. From the eastern end of the world's longest barn in Green Bay, I'm Pam Yankee.